Hi, I'm Aaron and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, where we explore, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I'll be interviewing the best artists in the game while also taking some time to appreciate some new and classic albums. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming news and guests. Also, don't forget to check out my new Patreon under Hip Hop Hustle that will give you exclusive content and help me keep the show running and getting better. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. Uh, I'm with a fantastic up-and-coming artist, Hype, uh, someone that I'm hyped about to to speak to. Um, I mean, your come-up has been really quite phenomenal phenomenal in terms of what you've been able to to do you've got a new track uh new school with uh Shane Noir as well um you've been associated with DJ Premier uh well known in terms of my fandom for DJ Premier he's my favorite producer of all time uh, I think I mentioned him on close to every single podcast uh, I ever do so I can't help but just you know big him up but man it's a pleasure to have you on the show and uh, in terms of what you're doing lyrically and in terms of what you're doing sonically it's really impressive um you know for me thank it's you. like thank it's great you. to see someone young kind of bring in a bit of the the boom bap the grime and like just bring the bars back yeah man that's um that's really my thing and I think that um you know it took a lot I had to kind of grow into it you know what I'm saying? Um, when I first started out, um, I actually been rapping since like I was around the age of 12 and just kind of like trying to figure out my sound. I, I went through like a lot of different sounds. Like I tried the, the kind of like newer sound for a little bit. It was doing like out of tune for a little bit. Didn't really work out for me. Um, but then I'll say like it was like around when I hit like the age of like 16, I started uh kind of started producing my own my own music because before that I was kind of just like looking for beats and on YouTube and stuff like that and couldn't really find anything that I felt that described what I was going for so at the age of like around the age of 16 I just kind of started producing my own stuff and just kind of started messing around in FL studio and I think that from there I just kind of grew to kind of appreciate the older, you know, like the boom bap stuff and kind of just started studying a lot of older artists and I kind of figured like, man, I, I really, um, I really like this sound, you know, I'm like, I really like this sound. I really like this, this vibe. I really like, you know, kind of the confidence that it gives me when I'm, you know what I'm saying? When I'm on that, that kind of, kind of a beat. So, you know, from there, it just kind of grew into, what my artistry is today and you know I still kind of try to tie in like a lot of the newer sounds and um you know some trap stuff some 808 sometimes but I will say like the the more you know 90s type of sound is really where I'm at with it um and I'm happy and I'm happy with it like I really really like it it really like excites me to to kind of be in that space so you know I'm, I'm glad that um that people are enjoying it too because sometimes it's kind of hard, like, when you're not, you know, trying to fit in with everybody else. You know, sometimes you can kind of get overlooked. You can fly under the radar so much. So I'm kind of glad that it's starting to pick up some momentum and people are starting to acknowledge it. And, um, and yeah, you know, um, kind of like you mentioned, like, I've, you know, I've kind of started getting, getting some acknowledgments from, you know, a lot of people 
um, in that in that kind of um, area and that you know in that kind of sphere. Um, a lot of notable names you mentioned: DJ Premier. Um, you know, I got the track with Shane Noir. You know, um, also got to work with uh, DJ Mathematics from Wu Tang. Um, you know, and um, just a few other people who've kind of you know been following my page or watching me. You know, I've got a track with Elzai that's coming up on my album. You know, so it's just like a lot of just a lot of good stuff, man. And, and I'm just kind of excited that you know people are showing me that love and and oh, you know, willing to work with me um because of my talent and they see that I have the passion for that um you know what I'm saying so I'm I'm glad that you enjoy it man like anytime somebody you know bigs me up for that I'm like man I'm happy I'm happy to hear that you know because that's just like that's just like my thing you know and, and I just have a real passion for that sound and, and you know for that just gritty percussion and chopping up samples and it's just like I just love to do it so yeah thank you very much man that was it was a, uh, it meant a lot to me. Well, my pleasure. And I meant every word. Cause yeah, like literally before we started talking, I was just listening to, to your music. Like, just because like, I, I was just like, like, you can just feel it. There's, there's a feeling to me that I get with like the music that you produce versus like the generic trap music. And for me, part of the listening journey is like, I got to get a beat that I like first. And your mm-hmm. choice of beats are really good. Like they're not like, you know, just generic boom bap beats because I think people fall into the trap of thinking that, you know, people who love, you know, the 90s and that era, every beat we're going to love. But it's still about having right. you know, that exactly. interesting drums. You have that interesting, like the instrument. And that's why I love DJ Premier because he uses those instruments and he just mm-hmm. puts a, a new sound to it. But in terms of your production, are you now still producing your own beats or have you got people that are like, you know what, I've seen what you can do and I'm starting to give you beats. Um, it's, it's, it's still both. Like, I think that the biggest thing for me, um, you know, the way that I kind of look at um, hip hop is you no know, hip hop has always kind of been like, um, especially like in the nineties or like, in, you know, late eighties it's always kind of been this, um, you have a rapper and then you have a producer kind of dynamic right and i think that um now now that we're kind of seeing like hip-hop being a more competitive space with other genres um you know i've kind of learned to open myself up to other people's production as well so like i still produce a lot of my own stuff and i do a lot of co-productions with other people right and i think that for me i've kind of found that that's kind of how i work best is kind of when i'm being able to bounce ideas off with other people, other producers, you know, um, other artists, and kind of, you know, we kind of create a network of of creatives that come together to to make something really dope. And so, um, like with my upcoming album, like I'll say, I probably produce close to half of the tracks on the album, and then the other half are either like co-productions or um, are produced by somebody, another producer that you know. I might have heard something from that I like. And like you said, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of producers that reach out to me and they're like, you know, man, I really like your stuff. Can I send you some beats? And, you know, I'll, I'll go listen and, you know, kind of decide if their sound is for me or if it's not. But um, it's, it's, it's a little bit of everything. So, you know, I'm always like open to hearing something new, something, you know, something fresh, something dope. Because somebody might, you know, give me a beat that I, 
I probably would have never even thought of making or I would probably never even thought I could, I could rhyme or something like that. And it comes out really crazy. So, um, you know, it's a little bit of everything. And, I'm, and I always tell people, like, I'm, I'm open to it, you know, because, you know, if, if, if the art form of hip hop is, is going to continue to be able to compete with other genres where, you know, other genres, there's songwriters and there's multiple producers involved in everything. And it's like, you know, it's a big team behind one project. It's like we kind of have to be able to operate in the same way to where we're not afraid to work in a team. And I'm not saying go out there and get ghostwriters or whatever, but, you know, don't be afraid to create networks of, you know, creatives or there's other producers or other rappers or whatever, you know, that are, that'll be able to help you fine tune your work as well. You know, so, and what I love about working with other producers, especially producers that I have kind of like an organic relationship with is that I can send them a song and I know that they'll be able to tell me, yo, I like it. I think you could have did this or this, or I think you can do this to this part of the beat. So it kind of matches your energy, you know, things like that. Like there's a, there's a whole creative process. It's not just you send me a beat, I lay a verse and it's done. Like there's a whole creative process behind it. So, you know, I still produce my own stuff. And I even send some of the stuff that I produce myself, I send to other people, you know, like, you know, listen to this beat, listen to this track I made, you know, tell me what, um, you know, tell me what it needs. And, you know, I'd be like, you, you want to do something with it, like, you know, throw something on there. So um, it's a, it's just a little bit of everything. I just found like that teamwork kind of pushes me to create the best art that I can, you know, because um, at, at the same time, once you started involving everybody else, it's like everybody wants to be able to put their stamp on it, you know. So it's like you got to have the best. You got to have you got to come with the best product so that people can put their stamp on it. You know, and people can be proud of being a part of that. So, you know, um, it's definitely a little it's definitely a little bit of everything that goes into it now. Well, I mean, most artists that I speak to, they say that the real successful artists, they're the ones that build uh-huh. relationships. They're the ones right. who like, you know, have a large network that like, you know, and you never realize when another artist or another person in the industry will be able to help you out. So it's it's right. beneficial to to do all that. And I think sometimes artists or up and coming artists especially can get into the trap of like I'm doing it myself I don't need help you know I'll make my own beats I'll do this on on my own but then yeah. you really isolate yourself exactly I was and and, it, and this and that's you know when you mentioned that that's what I was doing for a long time for a long time I was making my own beats you know recording myself shooting my own videos like I was doing I was like one man one man band and it's like as much as that can like it could save you some money it could save you you know some headache from having to deal with other people but at the same time it's like you're kind of like you say you're kind of isolating yourself um from the ecosystem of creatives you know and now that i i've over myself and you know i work with different videographers and you know um video directors and i work with different creatives and different producers i've produce like my best work that way you know because when it was just me like of course i'm gonna think everything i do is dope like <laughs> you know because like you know and it's like you know not to say that i don't critique myself but it's like at the same time it's like you you know everybody wants to think they're the best so naturally it's like when you're doing everything it's like, oh man look how much i can do on my own man I, I gotta be the best out here but it's not always the case you know just because you're doing it on your own doesn't mean you're the best you know it just means that you can do it all on your own but it's like 
you're doing it all, all on your own at a mediocre level when you could be working with other people and the final product would be much, much greater, you know? Um, so yeah, definitely like if, if I could tell up and coming artists anything, it's like, don't, don't isolate yourself, you know, from other people. Don't isolate yourself from other creatives, you know, um, because your bet, your best work is it truly is going to come from that networking and from having other people's um, genuine input on your work, you know, and other people being able to help you out to create your best work. Cause there's some people who aren't, you know, necessarily full-time creatives or, you know, who wouldn't label themselves creatives, but, you know, you might send them something and they'll just give you like a small idea and you'll be like, dang, I never, never would have thought of that, you know? So um, yeah, definitely don't isolate yourself, man. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't push you to be the best person that you can. Um, and one example that I always use is um, like Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, right? Like there's a reason that was, that is like his magnum opus. Like he, went to Hawaii, he had almost like the whole of the Wu-Tang Clan in there with him. He had like, you know, it had to be like 100 people working on that project, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, but that came out to be like one of the greatest hip-hop albums ever, um, you know, and you know, I think that kind of the way that Kanye functions and works kind of shows is like, he, he was still a great producer and a great artist when he was doing it all by himself, you know. College Dropout was still an amazing album. You know, Late Registration was still an amazing album. But I think when he really stepped out and started pulling other people in and, you know, people that he looked up to and other rappers and other writers and, you know, um, you know, people to really be involved, I think that that kind of led us to being able to, to you know, experience his greatest creation, which was My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. So it's like, you you can you can be good all by yourself, but it's like working with other people can really take you to another level. Um, so well, it's like need, that isolation you, isn't necessary. You need people to be like, you can do better. You know, you right, need people exactly. to be like, you know what? Like you can, you can drop this and it's fine, but you can do better. Or you need right. someone to be like, this, this doesn't work. Or like, this is really good. Or like, and a saying and advice that I got, which I think is really good advice, is listen to every piece of advice you get, but you don't have to agree with it. So there's a difference. And people giving you advice that you trust is important, but that part of it at least makes you question what you're doing. If you can come back and go, you know what, I disagree, that's also fine. But you need to have people mm -hmm. that are like, you know, maybe have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Could you change this? Maybe you should drop this as the single instead of that as a single. And then from there, the like the ball starts to roll. And I look at literally every classic album. 99% of them are built on people working together. You, yep. you know, for I, 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 I point to anyone to, to actually go, this classic album was a solo project. The only thing that I can really think of is the miseducation of Lauren Hill. She pretty much produced the whole thing by herself. She wrote the whole thing by herself. Um, but I look at every single other classic album. You know, right. yeah, you mentioned yeah, yeah. Wu Tang. That I mean, that is the epitome of people working together. You know, Gangstar. Yeah, yeah. You know, all these things. Like you just need people around you. I look at Eminem and Doctor Doctor Dre. They made that work. I look at NWA. Literally, 
you just reel off names after names after names and it's just because they work together that it came out fantastic. It wasn't just one person going, I know the best. Right, exactly. And and I think that, um, you know, a lot of that has to do when, with kind of, you know, when people are able to kind of put their own egos aside and, and be able to, you know, take in other people's input. And, you know, like you said, I mean, Lately, I just um I just been kind of going down the rabbit hole of Wu Tang, ever since I started watching their show on Hulu, and I just started watching like other documentaries and stuff. And I'm, and it's just like it just kind of really amazes me how like how they how they all came together to create this, you know, um, this amazing group, and you know, make this amazing music. You know what I'm saying? And um, and and like I said, it just kind of reminds me. It just kind of serves as a constant reminder that like you know, working with other people is beneficial. Like it's beneficial to have other people around you that are able to be a part of your, your creative process. You know, like sometimes you got to be able to let people in and, um, and have them be a part of that. And, you know, they can push you to newer heights. And so like, you're right. I don't think, I don't think there is any classic album like a name where it's like that. It was just that one, you know, that one person just did it all. Like there was, input from somebody somewhere you know somehow um and, and it led them to create some of their best work so it's just like you know as artists especially as hip-hop artists um you know we just gotta be able to do that you know we have to be able to let other people in and, and work with other people and and take other people's inputs and like you said you don't have to agree with all of it you don't have to apply all of it you know but at least give it give it a chance listen to it you know so you definitely, um, I definitely agree with you on that one. Well, I was going to ask you because, you know, how does your process work when, you know, you make a track? Like, do you have tracks that you've just gone, you know, I've made this track, but it's not good enough. I'm not going to release it. Like, how does that process work for you where you've got, because there are stories of artists who have hundreds of tracks that they just leave on the cutting room floor. They're just like, it's done, but it's not good enough to get on the album. And they just leave it unreleased. How's you? your process when it comes to that is and um yeah and I, and I feel like if i if i had more more time to dedicate to music i'd be like that too um you know because i mean currently you know i'm still um like working um like a regular job so i kind of have to kind of have to be i have to be really really um i, I kind of have to be really, really nitpicky when i'm you know when i'm putting when i'm piecing together music and so the even with that, like with my creative process, there's a process of elimination to where some some stuff doesn't even make it to paper. You know, like I might make the beat and I'm, I'm listening to the beat for a few days or for a few weeks, and I might have an idea of, of what I want to do with it. When it's like, I might think to myself, "Now nah, that's not even. I don't. Even, I don't. Even, I don't think I even want to go that direction." And I just kind of put it to the side. So some some stuff doesn't even make it to paper. You know, and and um, then there's some stuff that I'll write down and never record. Then there's some stuff that I will record, and most of the time, the stuff that I do record ends up getting out just because my process has already been so. You know, I've just eliminated so much in the process already, and like I said, that just comes from you know I'm not able to dedicate a lot of time, you know, as much time as I want to to music. So it's like every second of the day that I even get to just be able to think about music. Like, you know, I have to kind of play a process of elimination. Like, okay, this is this is how I'm going to go into this. Or, you know, I like this beat, but 
you know, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm be able to write to it right now. Like I've had beats that have sat for like two years and I'll come back later, two years later to it and, and write some, you know? So sometimes it's like, I'll hear a beat and I just feel like, no, nah, I'm not ready for it yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, um, but I do feel like if I had more time, like if I could dedicate, you know, eight hours a day to music, I probably have like hundreds and hundreds of songs, you know, sitting out there. So I definitely understand like, you know, that, that part of it, because again, as artists, a lot of stuff, you know, people, people um, sometimes don't understand that there's kind of like a kind of a more complex process behind putting a song together, an album together. Right. So like when you hear about like demos, like demos are a real thing. Sometimes, you know, you just get on in the studio and just kind of mumble something out, like just getting a feel for it, you know, um, or you might have like a rough, you know, and I tell people this, like usually when I'm writing a song, it usually gets rewritten at least two or three times. Like the first time I write it is like the the raw idea, you know, like uh, first thing that comes to mind, I'm just writing, just writing. And then I'll go back through it and kind of start fixing the cadences, start changing certain words. Like um, I use a certain word here, but I'm like, you know, this word, it just kind of, it's kind of makes the sentence feel a little too, too uh, clustered. Let me shorten that and let me use a different word. So I go through and kind of refine it um, and like that. So that's kind of how like my creative process works. A lot of times it's like uh, I kind of have to get the idea out first. And then if I like it, go back through, refine it and, and work on it. And then sometimes I'll, once it's recorded, then I then I listen to it and I'll be like, okay, you know, let's see what else we can um let's see what else we can add here. Let's see what else we can do with the beat. You know, how can we make this interesting? And you know, if I'm the producer, I'll go back in, kind of just, you know, play around with it for a little bit, play with the beat, something like that. Or, you know, if somebody else produces, I'll send it back to them and I'll be like, yeah, what you what do you think about this? Um, you know, do you think we could do something different with the beat, kind of make it interesting, you know, and just kind of go through go through it like that. So that way, um, it's just really thorough, you know, and I can really dedicate a lot of time, a lot of time to creating a, a final product that feels as polished as possible. So um, it's definitely like, you know, I, I might not have like a hundreds, hundreds of unreleased songs sitting around, but I definitely have like hundreds of unreleased ideas just like flowing in my head from kind of that process of elimination, you know, and. I think hopefully one day like, I just want to go back to all those beats that I have sitting that I kind of just kept like some some of my producer friends would be like, man, I sent you this beat like two years ago. When we what am I gonna hear something on it? I'm like, man, you just gotta you just gotta let it marinate, man. You just gotta let it sit with me for a little bit. And then, you know, when I finally do something with it and I send it back to them, they're like, Oh man, that's crazy. Like, yeah, it was definitely it was worth, worth the, the wait. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, it definitely worked the wait. It's like Sometimes, like, I don't know. It's just, like, that's just my thing. Sometimes, like, when I hear something and I feel like it's just too good, I'm like, nah, I'm not ready for it yet. But I was like, I want to keep it, though. Like, don't don't send it to anybody else. Just let me sit with it for a little bit, you know? And so, like, even, like, when people say, oh, why, why does it take Kendrick Lamar so long to come out with an album? But it's like, I kind of get it. I kind of understand why he sits with stuff for so long. Because sometimes it's like you kind of know the story you want to tell or you kind of know what you want to, how you want to do it but you just don't feel like you're at that point. There's like a little bit more development. You got to do it. You got to sit with it a little longer, think a little deeper, you know? Um, 
but it's like the, the end product is always worth it. So that's, that's really what matters, you know, at the end of the day. So that's just kind of how like my creative process goes. Like I, I just kind of have to, you know, sometimes I'll be able to hear a beat and just write the song there and then like it just clicks. Like I'm like, Oh, I already know. And sometimes it's like, let me take it home, sit, sit with it for a couple of days or, you know, if I'm producing it, I'm like, you know, let me let me sit with this for a couple of days and kind of see, you know, how I'm feeling about it. Um, but I definitely have like so many unfinished beats, <laughs> like so many ideas of beats that I started and I just never went back to finish. So like sometimes I gotta go back and look at them and, and see what I want to do with them. But um, but yeah, that's just kind of like part of being an artist is like being able to filter through those ideas, you know. Um, and uh, I'm just one of those people that I just kind of I value the the journey of putting together a song or an album, you know. Like I, I'm not one of those people that like, oh, I got to drop something every week. Like it's not gonna, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be the same, you know. Like why why kind why exhaust all my time and resources creating multiple, you know, mediocre releases when I can just take my time and really sit with it and give you one really good song one really good project you know that you're going to be able to listen to for a long time so that's just kind of how like i think about it and um how i go about my creative process well man i think that that's a good way to be i think a lot of artists get caught in the trap of everything i make is everything that i release and you know i've i've said this to some artists i've interviewed is like you know as a fan like i don't make my own music but i'm a i'm a fan of hip-hop so if an artist yeah. releases too much, I get lost because I don't have the time to listen to, you know, six of your albums a year. I just don't. Right. And I also know that out of those six albums, if you're releasing that much music, how many of them are going to be dope tracks? Like, yeah, there will be dope tracks in there, but I'll have to comb through and find the best of the best. You're better off giving me one album that is just filled with absolute fire your best because then in your yeah. next drop i'm going to be ready and i'm and i won't be able to wait for the drop like you want your fans to be like hey when's that next album coming out hey i can't wait for that album i can't wait and i can't wait that's what you want instead of people going yeah it was all right like right. That's, that's the difference and i and i'll often use this as an analogy like you know comedians they do an hour set but they do two uh-huh. years for a special. So they'll do the same set for two years before they write their yeah. next one. But for artists, we don't have the same patience. We're like, Hey, hurry up. I need to see at least, you know, one project a year. I need to see you feature on a bunch of stuff. And it's like good work comes with time. Good work comes with that process of like, let me make sure that what I release is the best it can possibly be. Right. And I, and I think that a little, I think that some of that um, has to do with the kind of like the transition that we made into the streaming era, you know, like uh, back in the day, an artist would drop, you know, an album, it'll come out in stores and then they would like tore off that album for like two years. Kind of like you said, like with comedians, they'll write that one hour special and tour with that special for a long time, you know, and, and then they drop their next special. So it's like, artists were kind of the same way you know they put out an album and they're touring off that album for a long time and then they then they go back into album mode you know for another year a couple years or so and then they give us another album i think that with streaming we've kind of we've kind of been um 
and, and just that with the internet in general, we, as consumers, we've just kind of been spoiled to being able to have things uh, whenever, you know, it's like, it just, it just has to come ready, you know? And I think that that kind of has been to the detriment of artists because now there's a lot of artists and we're feeling pressured, you know, by labels and, you know, by other entities to drop music so often that it's damaging their, their quality of, you know, of their product. And I think um, even like with underground and independent artists, like a lot of them are kind of in this thing where they're dropping multiple, multiple projects a year. And it's like, I really like these artists, but it's like, this is so much stuff. Like I can't, you know, and it's like, and even when I do keep up with all of it, a lot of it is just not as good as it could be, you know? So it's like, you, you might drop one really good album at the top of the year, but then the next three albums that you, you drop are not that good. So it's like, then I'm kind of not excited to hear another project, you know? So it's like, just, I, I just kind of wish that we could go back to that format of let's focus on creating one really good album that can last for a long time and, and have people anticipating the next one, you know? So it's like right now, you know, music, you know, the music scene is just kind of flooded with so much, you know, and I'm pretty sure there's, there's just some stuff that like, some really good stuff that's out there that I just haven't heard because there's just so much of it, you know? And so like one thing that I've kind of done to, to fight that is I've kind of, I've gone back into buying physical copies. Like I started buying vinyls and I'm like, that's going to help me. What that's going to help, what that helps me do is that I know that I'm only going to invest in a project that I, I'm really looking forward to or that I really like, you know, and that's, that's going to help me not have to feel like I got to keep up with, with all this music that's out there. You know, and so um, that's kind of like the the space that I'm in as an artist is like, you know, I want to be able to create something that's really dope that I that I know people are going to be spinning for a long time, and that's gonna you know, not only get people excited for the next project but get people excited to see me perform it. And I think that's where the longevity comes from too is when people are actually coming to your shows and people are actually, you know, like investing in the artists like. With streaming, you don't really have to be—you don't really have to be invested in an artist to stream their music. You know, like a lot of us, we just stream stuff out of curiosity. You know, but it's like if you're gonna buy a CD or you're gonna uh, buy a ticket to go, you know, see a show, or you're gonna buy some merch. Like you're really invested in an artist, so it's like you—you kind of—it's kind of a difference um, as far as you know, like as far as like what you feel like you get out of the experience of having bought an artist CD or having bought that artist ticket when, you know, to go see them on tour or something like that. So it's like, you know, consumers now are really not that invested in the artists. You know, they're not really in, that invested in the art anymore. Um, I think they don't you know, have the everybody, patience, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I look at Drake's album and I look at uh, Kanye's album and everyone was really excited, but I guarantee that 99% of people did not listen to those albums all the way through start to finish. They'll, they'll do what I did with those albums. They'll listen to a few with like the features they're interested in. They'll listen to the beat and they're like, nah, skip. All right. Next one. All right. Am I hearing anything that'll, you know, capture my ear? And that's what it is. So artists know that, you know, if you've got a 20 track album, no one's going to sit there and listen to the full 20 tracks in a row and listen to the construction of the album and listen how, you know, each song flows into one another. What are you going to do? You're going to listen to the singles 
And that's uh-huh. pretty much it. And like, you know, most people, I reckon if you ask them, when was the last time you listened to an album start to finish? They wouldn't have an answer for you because right. they're not consuming music that way. Like for me, I listened to the Nas album recently, start to finish. That was a fantastic project. That project yeah. that he just released was amazing, but you don't appreciate it as much unless you listen the whole way through. And so, you know, 20 track albums, I think they're dead in the water because, you know, an hour and a half of listening, people don't want to do that anymore. But like eight tracks is like that perfect amount, in my opinion. People just want short, sharp. They want to hear something that captures them and then they want to get out of there. So it's like it's a weird space right now between, you know, hip-hop heads who love albums and then fans that just casually listen to hip-hop. Yeah, and um, somebody somebody kind of put it together perfectly the other day on um, Twitter, and they were like, you know, we're kind of just in the era of playlisting, you know, where everybody's going to go find three, four songs off an album they really like and just throw it on the playlist. They're not gonna, nobody's going back to listen to the full album. You know, they're just going to take those three, four songs and throw it on the playlist. And I was like, that's a, actually a really good point. You know, so it's like now we see a lot of albums that are kind of, not made for listening all the way through. They're made for playlisting. You know, they're going to have a few songs on there that they know people are going to really gravitate towards to and that are going to make make the playlist. And that's kind of just what they, you know, they're banking off of. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think you hit it, you know, uh, right on right on the head. I think that um, that's just kind of what it is now. But that, you know, that Nas album was phenomenal. It is phenomenal. And um, it's actually one of the albums that I have, purchased this year because i was like man i just love this album so much you know and i and i'm just um because Nas is my favorite mc and i'm just happy to see him still have you know kind of pick up a second wind you know this late in his career and uh, i'm just i'm just excited to see what he does next so yeah i definitely feel you on that well i compared his album to drake and kanye and drake and kanye got all the hype but Uh in my opinion they don't come close to the Nas album the Nas album was produced so well. It He's got lyrics. He's got the right features. He just knows how to make an album. And I feel like, you know, Drake was catering to a little bit of everyone. He had a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Like he didn't really, to, in, in my opinion, have like a solid, this is the concept for the album. It was like, let me show off a little bit of my skills across the whole project. And like you said, depending on who you are, they'll take those three tracks or they'll take those two tracks and they'll chuck it in a playlist. Kanye Uh did his thing where I think he's, he's gotten to that point where he's just doing what he wants to do. And there's no one there to be like, I think you could have done something different. Like sonically, I think the production was good, but the album doesn't really mess with me. I'm not a huge fan of like, you know, gospel hip hop anyway. So like when you talk Uh about religion and stuff, I tend to, switch off but that Nas album yeah was just absolute fire and surprisingly yeah. good it was it was I know Nas gets a bad rep for the production on his album sometimes and um, I'm just yeah I'm just happy that he, he's like I said he's finding another stride and I think that um yeah that album is so far like album of the year for me you know and, and there have been a lot of good albums that have come out this year so I kind of have to um I think you know uh, there are a lot of hip hop artists that kind of have to get their credit when it comes to putting together albums, and I think that um, we're kind of seeing like a transition 
um, where people are kind of trying to get back to that. You know, there's a few people kind of trying to lead the way into, you know, getting back into putting together co- cohesive albums. And so I'm just kind of happy that, you know, we're seeing more and more of that, especially in 2021. Like a lot of people expected this year to be kind of dry as far as like, you know, good albums are concerned. But there's a lot of there's a lot of albums that could be album of the year for hip hop, you know, that are really good albums. You know, Tyler, the creator, Isaiah Rashad, Sky Zoo, Nas, um, Matt Comey, you know, just to name a few. Jay Cole of the ones that one. I really enjoy. I think Jay Buster Cole. Rhymes at the beginning of the year dropped his project. Yeah, yeah, yeah me I, too. Yeah. Kendrick is apparently going to drop one by the end of the year. Who knows if it'll get pushed back again, but I think everyone's waiting to see what he does because I had this conversation with one of my friends uh, literally three days ago, and it's like he, as a skillful artist, can do everything. Like technically, Uh he just is so good. He can switch up his flow in every, like he just knows what to do on every single beat. Like when he goes for it, he really is top of the class. Like at the moment, yeah. in my opinion, he is like the the tippy top. All of his songs are not great. Like I don't love all of his tracks. He just does a bunch of different stuff. But when he uh-huh. is flowing, it is unbelievable to listen to. Yeah, yeah, I, I have to agree. I think that um, and I think I, I would definitely classify him as an albums artist. Like his albums are usually always on point. Um, and he's he's currently. You know, Nas being my favorite of all time, Kendrick is like my favorite of right now. You know, within like since like 2000 and it's like 2012 when he dropped Good Kid, Mad City, like that album completely just like changed my whole. I was like, man, I gotta get better. <laughs> like after I heard that album, I was like, man, I gotta get better. This is this is crazy. You That's know? also and, my um, favorite uh, Kendrick album. Without it's a doubt, my favorite think- too. I think that it's so cinematic, man. It's like, like he could turn that into a movie. You know what I'm saying? And and it's like that album. It just um, it did for me what I feel like Illmatic did for a lot of old heads. You know, like it it just kind of took me into his world, and it was just so like raw. So like a lot of yeah, a lot of the beats were like just gritty West Coast beats. You know, um, and he was just he was just doing his thing, man. And I when I heard that album, I was like, "Yo, this guy is incredible." I was like, "Yeah," I was like, "I, I was like, I gotta get better." Like, <laughs> like there's no way, there's no way. Like this, this is like he's just he's just put he's just like makes me just want to push myself to a new level, you know. And I definitely agree. Like I, I think that you know. Um, Whenever his next album drops, man, we're just all looking forward to it and see where he's gonna go next. Cause it's like he went from Good Kid, Mad City, and then he did to Pimp a Butterfly, which was like a whole different sound, but it was like, you know, crazy. Like one of the best albums ever. Then he did Damn, which won him a, a Pulitzer Prize. So it's like, bro, how much more can you do? You only that's just within you know three albums you've done all this amazing stuff, you know. So it's like. Um, he's definitely one of those artists where I just feel like you don't have to like everything he does, but you can recognize just how great he is. Like, like he he is a really masterful artist, and um, and yeah, like I said, he's just like every time every time he drops, man, I just listen to his stuff, and I'm just like, man, I don't, am I ever gonna be that good? <laughs> yeah, like 
Oh, man. He really can't do Come anything on, wrong. Kendrick. No, he never gets bad reviews. That's the amazing part. No. Like, every artist gets, you know, some criticism. I Like, I compare him and I compare Eminem. And Eminem is always getting bad reviews. But what he actually does is amazing. But he always gets, mm-hmm. you know, hit with, like, you know, you shouldn't say this, you shouldn't say that. But everything Kendrick does, everybody loves. Like, there's not one everybody. project that he's ever done that anyone's like, that's no good. Everyone's like, that's fire. That's amazing. You know, it's, you know, I have my favorite album, but literally everything you produce. So I think, you know, this is the year of like, you know, big artists dropping projects. He might come in, you know, in December, drop it and just be like, you know, let me finish 2021 with a bang and just, you know, yeah. leave it and, and get best album. It needs to, man. I think, and I think if, if this next album is, as good as any of his other albums or better, I think he, I mean, that's an incredible, like, four-album run right there, you know, from Good Kid, Man City to, to Pimp a Butterfly to Damn, whatever else he comes out with. I think that's that's just going to be, like, just, I really, I don't think, like, for your first, if, if his first four albums are just that amazing, you know, I think that, I mean, the only other person that could think that did that is, like, Kanye. You know, like um, from uh, college dropout to late registration, and then he did um, graduation, and then 808s, and then My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Like that's just an amazing five album run right there, and I think that Kendrick can definitely be on that same, you know, that same level, um, and, and I think he is. Like I just, I just don't see him missing with this next album like you know i just don't it's like nobody knows what it's gonna sound like but we just everybody's just anticipating that it's gonna be really good and that's just how great he is at what he does you know so like you said everybody man if, even whether you you listen to his music or not or whether you're a fan or not like you just gonna have to acknowledge you know what he's brought to the game which is that that masterful you know um artistry for sure like i can't deny it well, there are rumors that a big artist is going to retire this year. There are rumors that, like, you know, there is, you know, one of the people at the tippy top, you know, they're going to release an album, and then, then they're going to retire. Do you think that Kendrick would retire if, you know, like you said and like everyone suspects, this is a killer album? Like, do you think he'd give it up at the top? No, I, I don't see it, man. I think because, I mean, honestly, it's like it's like this for me. I think that. Um, I think it'll be too early for him. I think it'll be too early. And, and while it might be a retirement on a high note, I think that it's going to be one of those things where it's like, we're just going to feel like we didn't get enough, you know? Because um, like, I, I think at least at least two more albums and, and then and then you can call it quits. <laughs> you know? oh, we'll let him know. We'll let him know. So Kendrick, yeah. if you're listening, uh, Hype's got a message. If At least two, two more. more. Then you can two retire, more. okay? Until so that point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I can get, so I can get a feature in at least, you know. Uh, uh, but I think uh, as far as big artists retiring, you know I mean, if we really look at like the big three, you know, which is like everybody can really say Kendrick, Drake, and J. Cole. Um, I think J. Cole's kind of been like, the only one that's out of his own mouth is kind of kind of be talking about retirement, but you know, he still has to drop, you know, um, the fall off album, you know? So 
I think J. Cole still got a couple albums in him before he calls it quits. Um, as far as Drake, I mean, maybe I could see Drake retiring. You know, Drake is he's kind of been on a on a decade long run, you know, and um and just, you know, hits and hits and hits back to back. So it's like, I mean, if Drake called it quits, it's like, you know, I mean, like, dude, you've been you've beat every record. You know, you've beat every record. You've you've been on an amazing run, whether you know, um, whether I'm a fan or not, it's like, you know, I can recognize like he's he's done some, you know, commercially he's he's done some amazing things, you know, and just hip hop and music in general. So it's like, if Drake was to call it quits, man, I don't think anybody'd be mad because it's like, it's like you've literally overachieved at this point, <laughs> you know. Um, well, I will and, say, um, I mean, rappers tend to quit a lot. It's yes. not like you know what I mean, like every rapper quits and then they're back six months or 12 months later. Like I think Papoose this year said he quit and he's still releasing music and like, you know, 50 Cent had that contest with Kanye about, you know, whoever album sells sells the most. Yeah. yeah, Doesn't quit. The other one does. And 50 lost that. And he hasn't quit. I mean, they all say it. It's like, you know, it's addictive. Obviously Nas took a long hiatus out of music and now he's back. Mm. And I just think that, there's an addiction in terms of like being an artist. You can't switch it off. And like, maybe you need some time to rest and recover and like live life again. So you've got inspiration again, but like, I don't see any of these, you know, big artists quitting long term. Uh, I don't, um, I don't. And I, and I think even, even then, like the only artists that really quit are the, are the ones that don't say it, you know, like they just, they just kind of just do it. Like Andre 3000 or, Lauren Hill and even every now and then they'll drop a feature verse or something like that you know um you know they might not be doing albums but you know they might pop they pop up out of the blue every now and then with a feature verse so it's like you know I think I think that um the quitting thing is, I think it's just so it has a lot to do with the music business it just kind of wears you down um you know that the business side of it like you know a lot of artists will say like the business side of it is the least fun part of it which is true you know, and so I can only imagine, I can only imagine if you're a mainstream artist, that's what you have to deal with every day is that the business side, because that's, that's what makes the money is like the business deals, you know, the endorsements, the this, that, the third, sitting in those rooms with the execs and all that stuff. Like, so I can imagine wanting to want to get away from that side of it, but it's like the music itself is, is what keeps you around. Like, like, man, I just love doing music, you know, so it's like, it's hard for you to get away from that. So it's like, I can definitely imagine that, like that, that would be kind of why a lot of artists try to get away from it, but it's like they, they, they can't because they just they love doing music, you know. And it's like, but because you do it for a living, it doesn't come without that business aspect of it. So it's like you kind of just have to deal with it at the end of the day. So I could see that. Um, but yeah, as far as any of the big artists calling it quits, I I don't see it because I just think right now the big artists are kind of picking up a lot of steam again like i would say like there was kind of like a well as far as like in my head i feel like within the last couple of years it was like the underground was kind of taking you know it was kind of like the face of hip-hop for a little bit and then now the big artists kind of coming back to like reclaim their their places like you know the face of hip-hop yeah, they're so dominating like again yeah they're dominating again you know so it's like there's there's a little bit of a competition there, like you know they kind of seem like the underground artists is starting to starting to win people over, 
you know, so it's like they got to come back and, and like show them who's really, who really run, runs this thing. Remind them um, that they haven't disappeared. Like, you know right. what I mean? But do you know, yeah. you know, with the business side, I actually, I was watching uh, the show Dave Lil Dicky's kind of sitcom about like mm-hmm. his life, but like about becoming an artist. And there's an episode there with Doja Cat and about like her life. And it looks insanely difficult because like she wakes up, her full schedule is there. You don't have 10 minutes to yourself between, you know, jumping on IG live between, you know, doing a shoot between writing music. It's like at that point when you're that big, you don't have time to yourself anymore because like you said, it's the business. Whereas like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I look at you and you're like, I got a full-time job and I wish I want to get rid of that. And then it goes full cycle where like your job is more than being an artist. Your job is like a promoter because you've got sponsors and you've got, you know, people Mm -hmm. who've invested. So everything that you say and do reflects on the whole business. Like it just looks absolutely insane. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, like I said, I can only imagine like, you know, and just with me and the the way that I kind of do things now is, um, like I said, I have a, a full-time job so like any amount of spare time that I get from anything else is like I have to focus on music and just the the cost of doing music alone is crazy you know so it's like so it's like you have you have to make money (laughs) you know what I'm saying like you have to do the business because it's the cost of producing the music itself and and getting it out there and promoting it and you know having it manufactured and you know, for people to be able to go get it is, um, it's crazy, you know, like shooting videos and doing all this stuff, like it costs money. So you have to make money. And it's just one of those things where you kind of realize at a certain point, like, like, oh, I'm not just an artist. Like I got to be a businessman. I got to be an accountant. Like, you know, like I got to, I got to know a little bit about entertainment law. Like, you know, you kind of have to know a little bit about everything of course, once you get big, you kind of surround yourself with people who do that on a professional level. Um, but like as an upcoming artist, you're kind of all of that for yourself, you know. And I think that there's pros and cons to that, you know, like it's easy to kind of get exhausted from it. But at the same time, it's like if you really take the time to figure things out, it keeps you from being um, exploited or it keeps you from being taken advantage of as well you know once those bigger opportunities start to come your way so it's like I can only imagine like you know if if I was doing this full-time kind of like what my day would look like you know because it's like I already want to dedicate so much time to making the actual music but then I also have to dedicate time to going out there and finding the the resources and the funds that are going to fund this music and how I'm going to make money from it and you know what manufacturers I'm going to work with to get vinyls made and CDs made and this, that, and the third. So it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a full-time thing already, you know, like doing music feels like, you know, now that I'm, I'm still working a job, it feels like I got two jobs, you know, except one job is not paying me. <laughs> like the well, music man, is not paying me. Yet. I got, <laughs> you know? I got a full-time job as well. So, you know, it's, it's part of, like you said, like you got to make money and to make your dream work, you just got to, there's always that period of time where you just got to hustle and you just got to, right. You know, do things that other people aren't willing to do. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I give up mornings and I give up, you know, you just, you just got to make it work because otherwise if you don't, somebody else will. 
and you'll look back on your life and you'll be like, I could have done it. That's what it yeah, is. It's exactly. like regret. You're like, I could have done that. But now I'm, you know, in my 60s, I'm seeing, you know, children, <laughs> grandchildren, and they're taking the steps that I wish I took. So it's like that always motivates me. It's like the the fear of regret is not as big as the, like that's the biggest fear. I'm not scared of failing. I'm scared of regretting, like not that going. That you didn't try. Yeah. And, uh, and I always tell people like the time goes by so fast, you know, like, and I think about, I think about it like this. If I could have dedicated the four years, that four years that I had, taken out to go to college if I could have dedicated that full four years to doing music I'll be so much further ahead so it's like I think about how quickly that college experience went by that four years and how much I accomplished you know just education wise and everything in that four years and I kind of applied to music and I'm like if I could do that for college I can do that for music I can dedicate four or five years of my life and say this is what I want to accomplish and dedicate that four or five years to accomplishing it, you know, because, like, being an artist, unless you, like, go to an art school, and unless you just have, you know, like, really supportive parents and, and family members around you, you don't really get the option, you know, especially, like, if you know you want to be an artist early, you know, because, like, when I was 18, you know, I knew I, knew I wanted to do music full-time, but it's, like, everybody wants you to go to college. You know, so it's like I can't dedicate that four years to doing what I really want to do. It's like even the amount of money that gets spent in that four years on college. You know, it's like imagine if I had that fifty, sixty thousand dollars for that four years, and I could just put that towards music. Like that, that could have changed so many things. So it's like also part of part of the reason why you know I really. Um, hope to have some some type of a, a bigger platform someday is to kind of just also help people understand that you know when you're around an artist you got to understand that that art to them is just as serious as a college education it's just as serious as a job you know like it's just as real to them as all those things because it is real you know that that is something they're passionate about that is something that could change their lives so it's like you have to encourage them the same way you would encourage somebody to go get a job or you have to be able to encourage them the same way you would encourage somebody to go to college because that four years that you take you know to go to college that same four years if somebody could have that same uninterrupted four years and those same funds that you know we take out and put towards college have that go strictly towards their music and have a support system around them you would we would see so many like so many more artists who are better at what they do be produced, you know, like we would really see some real artist development, you know, come about because there are people who want to do it and who want to do it the right way, but, you know, they don't have that kind of support. They don't have that kind of a uh, backing system. So then you have artists like me who go to college for four years, graduate, get a job, and now I'm working a job and I'm trying to do music and trying to make it a full-time thing so it's like but my resources are being split between my living expenses and my music you know what I'm saying so it's like now it's, it's kind of harder because now I'm, I feel like I'm playing catch up with myself you know because it's like 
Like, dang, just imagine what I could have done with those four years. You know what I'm saying? So it's just one of those things where, like, I, I just wish that, um, you know, that people in society in general took, you know, creatives a little bit more seriously when it comes to, you know, our dreams and our passions. Um, because it's like people don't people don't really take it seriously until you make it big. Like people don't feel like it's real until you're, you know, you make it big or you, you start making a lot of money. But it's like it was just as real before, you know, it was just as real two years ago when I wasn't making any money. You, you know, know you become the joke somewhere. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, they say, oh, look at, look at the podcaster. Oh, how's the podcast? Yeah. You know, oh, oh, look, oh, rapper, rapper. Oh, how many, yeah. how's the, yeah, how's the music yeah. thing going? How much yeah. money you got? Oh, that's interesting. That That's what it is. But I think part of that is like, they, that's a reflection of them. That's not a reflection of you. That's like, you know, you're going for a dream and they're insecure uh-huh. because they didn't go for their dream. So the way right. they make themselves feel better is to like, have a go or they shoot you down. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you accomplish your goals, you'll be going back on, Hey, how's your full-time job going? How's, (laughs) how's, how's that going? But I I will say this, like I also went to uni and I was at uni for five Mm -hmm. years. Um, I'm a big believer in education, whatever that looks like. Right. Of Um, course. So like sometimes, you know, you don't, you don't have to drop out to be an artist and, whether you'd feel like you do or, or do not, you're all on your, your own journey. But like, for me personally, like that five years was really important to get my education and get, you know, especially now my English and my, like, you know, my ability to communicate to where it is. I studied, you know, a law degree and a commerce degree. Um, and if I didn't do those things, I wouldn't be able to verbalize the things that I can verbalize right now. So it is like a pathway. And then I ended up going yeah, to yeah, sales yeah. Like I, I took a sales job um, and that's how I learned how to speak to people, how to be more charismatic, more convincing, all those things. So I think, you know, as long as you've got your dream there, however you go about it, that's the way you should do it. We're all on our own journey. And, you know, for yeah. you as well, I mean, you would have taken a lot of lessons from studying at college as much as the money seems like it can be a lot of money redirected elsewhere. It gives you the perspective that you are right now. Yeah, no, it did, and I and I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it didn't. Um, I think that the most I think the most important thing that I stress to people about college is um, it there's there's so many resources that become available to you once you get into college, right? I think that that's one of the main things that makes people who go to college a little bit more, um, you know, as far as like if we're talking like statistics and the numbers. You know, they say like people who go to college tend to be more successful than people than people who didn't. And I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say that is because there's anything about the curriculums that that prepare you to be more successful. But there's so many opportunities that are made available to you once you get in college through mentorships, through different programs, you know, through joining different organizations that you know you wouldn't have access to if you weren't in college. And I think that. There's so many doors that become open and so many social skills that you learn from um, navigating all these different, you know, these different circles in college. And um, and just like you, like I'm a, I'm a big believer in education. And I mean, but even just within the college atmosphere, like even like music majors are kind of looked at a little funny, like, like you're majoring in music, like what are you? 
what are you going to do with that? You know, but it's like at the end of the day, during college, you're getting education. You know, it's like, isn't that, isn't that what people want? You know, so it's like, it's what, it is what you said. It's not sexy until right. you've made it big. So they exactly. look at you and they're like, oh, you're just going to be another failed artist. That's the interpretation. Right. And like for my parents, they would look at taking a, a move like this and they're like, they want what's best for you. And they uh-huh. think that like if I if you play it safe, that's the best way. It may not make you the happiest, but they see as like security and they don't want you to struggle with money because, you know, my parents came from overseas, you know, uh-huh. their parents yeah, struggled too. with money. And so like the the mindset is I want you to set yourself up for success financially. And they look at how many failed artists and they look at how many failed creatives there are and they're like, this is not the statistical pathway to success. This is not like the traditional pathway. Whereas like right. you look at it and you're like, I got to do it. it, it I mean, right. I was made to do it. So that's yeah. it's the balancing act. Yeah. And I think that um, what I think that what sets one artist apart from, from the other, a lot of times it's not talent, it's discipline. Um, and I think that what, and especially with today, I think that what we're seeing today is we're seeing a lot of very disciplined, untalented artists <laughs> you know what i'm saying like we're seeing a lot of people that are willing to sacrifice because because they believe in it they might not have the talent but they have the discipline you know and it's like even like you go back and watch a lot of um interviews or you know a lot of things where like you know managers are talking about artists and you know like world managers or you know people who work with artists and they're like you know this guy had all the talent in the world he just wasn't disciplined you know, he just didn't want to get up and go to the studio. He just didn't want to, you know, get out on tour and perform. And it's like, for some of us, it's like, man, how could you not want to do that? Like, that, that's what I dream of doing. You know, so it's like it's having that discipline. Um, and, and I think that uh, there was a, a Nipsey Hussle interview that I was watching that um, but he said that he was like, the only thing that separated me from everybody else who failed was that I had the discipline. You know, I stayed the course. I was willing to put in the work. And I think that that is what separates a lot of people. So I think that is like we kind of have to change the conversation around why a lot of artists don't make it and, and not say that art isn't a, vi- uh, a viable pathway, but just say that a lot of people just don't have the discipline to, to pursue it. You know, so it's like if you're going to talk to somebody who thinks they want to pursue music or wants to pursue any type of, you know, creative pathway, you know, talk to them about their discipline, you know, talk to them about their work ethic. Like, are you willing to to get up and do this every day and do these things that it takes every day to make it happen? You know, um, and, and that way the conversation kind of shifts to something a little different because it's in the same way. There are a lot of people who say they want to go to med school and end up dropping on like their second year of college because they didn't have the discipline. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's almost like the same, you know, I, I don't know that they, the, statistics but like you know just from having been in college and been around a lot of people who said they wanted to go to med school and then seeing the actual number of people who made it there is like it, it almost looks the same to me you know what i'm saying so it's like so it's like why isn't why isn't it that the conversation is framed the same way because like if you say you want to go to med school and you don't make it make it to med school people are either going to say well, well you weren't smart enough or you weren't working hard enough right but if you say you want to be an artist and you don't make it to be an artist and people just say, oh, well, you know, music isn't, it's not a, a good 
uh, career choice when it's just the same thing. That person didn't, the discipline might have not been there. They ended up saying it. So it's like all of it is really like a game of chances. You know, like it's all really like a game of probability when it comes when it comes down to it and anything that you want to do. So it's like some of it, some of it is going to be your work ethic and your discipline. And then some of it is going to be pure luck. You're just going to come across the right people that are going to point you in the right direction. Even with like wanting to pursue certain professional careers, you're just going to come across certain people that like you. They don't know whether you're smart. They don't know, you know, what type of person you are, but, you know, they might just, you know, like you and like the type of, you know, personality you have. And they say, you know what, I'll write you that letter of recommendation. You know, yeah, I'll, um, you know, I'll set that interview up for you. You know, because, I mean, that's happened for me before, you know, like people who didn't, they didn't know what my academics were like, but they liked the type of individual I was. And, they, you know, they made a few calls for me. I was able to get certain jobs. I was able to, you know, do certain things. And so it was like, it's all kind of the same game that we're playing at the end of the day. You know, so it's just like the way, the way that people frame the conversation. The funny thing is uh, the, the way I sum up this conversation is in two sayings. The first is that it's not what, you know, it's who, you know, because right. that, that applies like, you know, the right people, they hook you up. And the second is consistency and effort always beats talent. That's all the time in every industry. That's not just in music. That's in everything in life. If you are consistent and you always put in the effort and you're always improving, you'll surpass the talented people because they will be good at the beginning and they will be better than right. you at the beginning. But the more effort that you put in and the more that you develop, you will surpass their talent. And you see it in sport. You see it in like, you know, how much talent could this athlete, how good were they? but they weren't disciplined enough with their recovery. They weren't disciplined enough with their diet or whatever it is. So that's really big. But speaking of disciplined people, something that I definitely want to ask you about is DJ Premier. I wouldn't be doing, you know, uh, <laughs> my job at all well if I didn't ask you and I wouldn't be doing myself uh, a service. So talk to me about DJ Premier. How did that come about? And, you know, I see the smile on your face already, <laughs> just like, you know, thinking about it. For me, it would be a dream come true, but, Talk to me about that yeah. experience. So yeah, the DJ Premier thing, man, it was um, it was like a, a diamond in the, a diamond in the rough type of situation. It was like a, a good thing that came out of a, a really really bad situation. Um, so how that all came about was um, last year in 2020, around the end of June, um, I entered into a recording agreement with a small independent label out of Texas. And um, kind of the way that they kind of sold me on it was that um, the guy who approached me was actually a friend of DJ Premier's. He had went to college with him and he was, um, he was like a background dancer and gang star. So him and DJ Premier have a, a close relationship. And he was like, yeah, you know, I know DJ Premier. And, you know, we have a really close relationship and your sound is, you know, something that he'll, he'll love and, and this and the third. And he was like, you know, we're a small label. We're looking for artists, but we built a lot of connections and this and a third. And so that was kind of like around the time I was graduating um, from college. And it was like mid pandemic, you know, um, so everything was just really crazy. Like I was looking for a job and, um, but it was like this, it this felt like it came at the right time, you know? So it was like, it was almost like, I just felt like I couldn't pass up on it. 
Um, so I said, okay, you know, um, you know, yeah, I was like, okay, you know, let's let's do it, you know, so let's work. And so, um, so I signed with them, started working with them, and uh, about around October, late October, uh, I was put to get putting together an EP, um, which is the EP that I'm kind of selling vinyls and stuff for now, uh, from beginning to end and to new beginnings, um, which that project is kind of a it's kind of like a um, a baby of my album that so I was putting together an album and in the course of putting together an album they wanted me to do an EP so those six songs that I put together on the EP were actually songs that I pulled songs and concepts that I pulled from my album and instead made kind of like a smaller um, like a baby version of the album and so that's kind of what that came that's kind of where that came from and so around October 28th, uh, no, actually, it was earlier than that, I believe. But it was like October 20-something, uh, one of those weekends, we went up to New York. Um, they were like, yeah, we're going to go up to New York. We're going to have this listening party um, for all the artists. And um, DJ Premier is going to be there. I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Um, so he was like, uh, so they were like, yeah, and, you, know, like, you know, we want you to pick out, you know, your best songs, perform a few songs off the EP, you know, you think DJ Premier really like them. So I was like, all right, cool. Uh, so I, I had four, it was, I believe, yeah, I had four songs or four songs put together that I was going to perform and three of them were from the EP. And, um, so we, we got to New York that weekend. And, you know, the listening, part, listening party was going on. And so while we're all kind of just hanging out in the, in the studio, uh, DJ Premier walks in the room and the whole room just kind of freezes. Like everybody just kind of stops, <laughs> right? It's like there was, there was like music playing before we were in a freestyling and then everybody just kind of stops. And I was like, yo, what happened? Why y'all cut the music off? And one guy was like, DJ Premier just walked in the room. And I looked over and all I see is, DJ Premier, hat, hat low, like right, right, right above, right here, and he just kind of walks in the room, just kind of like walked into a crowd. And in that moment, I was like, "Yo, I cannot believe this is happening right now. Like, I'm really about to rap in front of DJ Premier." So it was crazy. And so, like, um, the first couple of artists, you know, they go, they go up and they uh, do their performances and perform their songs. And so I had one song. I had one song that I uh, I made specifically for that occasion. Um, and I didn't, like, make it for the occasion. The song was kind of made before I knew that was going to happen. But once I knew it was going to happen, I was like, I have to perform the song. And the song is called Hype is Like, which is kind of like a flip on Nas is Like. So, um, so I had that song. Once I knew it was going up there, I was like, okay, I have to perform the song. And so, um, and I did, I did my first few songs and then once it came out, came time to perform that song, you know, I was like, I was like, yo, Premier, I have a really special song that I want to perform for you. Um, you know, I hope you like it. You know, it's a, a kind of a flip on one of your classics from you and Nas. And, um, you know, I really hope, hope, hope you enjoy it. And so I just kind of went into it and I'm, I'm performing. And so the whole time I'm performing, there's other people there. So, you know, I'm making sure I'm performing for everybody. 
And so I don't really get to like see DJ Premier's, you know, reaction. Um, but, you know, somebody was recording him. And then uh, at the end, he was just like, he was just like, man, you're going to make me cry. He was like, <laughs> he was like man, you, he was like, you got bars, man. You spit straight bars. And I was like, man, thank you, man. Like, I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, and when I when I got a chance to go back later and, and watch the video, like the whole time, he was just like, just bobbing. He was just like sitting back in the seat, the hat is low, and he's just like, <laughs> just bobbing his head. And it was just like, man, like, this is really a crazy moment. And then, and then from there, it was crazy because from there, um, for like the next five weeks, he played that song on his uh, Sirius XM show um, every week. He, he spun the song for like five weeks. And um, man, it was crazy. Like, and this was before the EP even came out. And people were like looking for the song. People were like hitting me up. And he, then he posted a video on his page of him spinning the song. Um, and I just got like crazy people in my DMs like, yo, where's this song at? I can't find it on Spotify. I was like, man, the song hasn't even come out yet. <laughs> like, you know, like that was like an exclusive, you know, exclusive uh, leak from DJ Premier. Um, but man, it was crazy, you know, and I, and I got to take a couple pictures with him um, and all that. And it was just really a great experience, you know, getting to, to meet, um, to meet one of my heroes in this, you know, in this whole hip hop thing, because I'm, I'm really a fan of his production. I'm really like a fan of everything that he's done. And, um, you know, like I said, and unfortunately the the situation with the record label just kind of went sour and really went south real bad um, and really quickly. Um, and so I've never really got a chance to uh, work with Premier. You know, I, I haven't really got a chance to work with him or um like to really speak to him since then um but that was still just like such a moment for me um and i think that that kind of that kind of like provided a moment of clarity for me like dang like i'm i've really just had one of the greatest like people in hip-hop of like all time just telling me like yo like i got bars like you know something that i i did a flip on one of his classics you know and like he was really rocking with it. And to me, that was one of those moments where I was like, man, I just got to keep going. Like no matter what happens from here, like I just have to keep going. Like I can't stop. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, um, and then short, like I said, shortly after that, like things just went really bad with the record label. And they tried to like get me to stop doing music and, and was trying to pull all kinds of stuff on me. Um, which, you know, thankfully, I mean, I've, fought all that and, and still fighting but it's just um yeah I'm just really I was just really grateful for that moment if nothing else you know it was just like the shining moment in that that whole situation and um if if they if they didn't if they didn't do anything else for me I will give them credit for doing that and for putting me in front of DJ Premier you know um but you know yeah it's just I don't even I don't even know what else to say man it's just like just being in, in front of that person, you know, like I think the, the only thing that could have been better than that was me rapping in front of like Jay Z or something, <laughs> you know, like that's like the only way to, to one up that one, you know, it was like that would have been crazy. But, um, but yeah, he and, and just from the feedback that I, I, you know, I got from him, 
and kind of um, the conversations that I heard he was having with other people about what he heard from me that night. Um, just kind of, it was just really like a humbling experience, you know? And yeah, like, I just hope, you know, that in the future, you know, me and him kind of get a chance to circle back around because um, I would really love to work with him. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was good, man. You and I both, to be honest, it would be a dream yeah. come true to, to just talk to him uh, and, and just, I, I think I wouldn't be able to conduct a proper interview. Like I wouldn't be able to speak. <laughs> I would just be like, nah, listen, he's like, <laughs> he's like the most, he's like the most humble guy, man, which is the craziest part. Like, like he, he walks in the room and he's like, he's greeting everybody. Like, like if you didn't, if you didn't know who he was, you were, you probably wouldn't even be able to tell. Like he's one of the, the greatest musicians of all time. Like, he just carries himself so humbly, you know, like, and he just talks to you like on a very human level. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and he was just in there, like just, just cracking jokes with us and, and just having a good time, you know? And, um, and it was just, I think that is really important to be able to see somebody that you look up to. So, you know, somebody who's so high up on the, you know, on the totem pole of hip hop, you know, just see them, be so human because a lot of times we hear stories about people meeting you know their heroes and like man oh that guy was an asshole in real life you know what I'm saying so it was like but like DJ Premier it was like the complete opposite like you know he was like he was real real humble real cool but um also at the same time real honest you know what I'm saying and um because he was like at the end of the whole thing he was like you know the stuff that I like I'm gonna play on my radio show you know he was like but only the stuff that I like you know, but I wasn't expecting him to play. <laughs> like, yeah, you play one only... second and I'll be happy. You put right. anything on there and I'll be happy. But like, Man. yeah, oh, like I w- the thing would be like, I'm even starting to stumble over my words and we're just talking about him, let alone, it would have nothing to do with him. He would be a professional and amazing to speak to. But because I'm such a fan, I would be so nervous and just be like, man, you don't understand. I just want to nerd <laughs> out. <laughs> Listen, I, man, I wanted to, I wanted to so bad, man, but it's, I was like, man, I, I, I'm here, I'm here to perform. I got to keep myself together. And, but like I said, it was so dope, man. And, and, and he was even like, you know, sending, sending the song out to other DJs and, um, you know, other DJs from Sirius XM were hitting me up on Instagram. Like, yo, DJ Premier just sent me this, uh, a couple of these tracks from you, man, they're really dope. You know, we love them. You know, we're going to spin them on the, the show. And um, it was just so dope to see him do that, you know, because um, cause he wasn't even, he wasn't asked to, you know. So it was like, so he, he really messed with it heavy and he really gravitated to to what it is I was doing. And um, like I said, just, just outside of that, like, you know, and, and, and then from there, like I said, it just kind of made me, like, I'm like, man, I, I got to keep going hard, you know? And, and then, like, the next person that um kind of hit me up was uh DJ Mathematics from Wu-Tang. And uh, <laughs> that was crazy, too. Like, and, and I remember, because um, he first he followed me on Instagram because DJ Molly Maul posted me. Uh, he posted one of, my, one of my tracks. And then DJ Mathematics hit me up. He was like, yo, you should have dope, man. And I, was, I hit him back. I was like, yo, I would love to do some music with you, man. Because I, like, just he's just like I'm like man I got I got to jump on this one and then I remember one day he he called me and he was like he was like like the most New York guy ever <laughs> like yeah son like yo yeah I just I just recently rediscovered your shit on Instagram I was like yeah son is nice 
He was like, yeah, you nice, son. Like, you know, yeah, we, we got to do something. <laughs> and I was just like, I was like, yeah, man, just let me know, whatever. Yeah. You know? I'll so, clear my um, full schedule. You just tell me listen, when and where to be, and I'll be there. Bro, I'll be there. You know, so it's just kind of, it's just kind of been dope, man, being able to just get love from, from you know, people that, that I, I, I look up to. And um, like I said, even just working with Elzai on this track that I, you know, I got coming up on the album and um, just a few other individuals that have showed love on, on social media and elsewhere and, you know, um, playing my songs on their shows or whatever. It's just been really dope. So, um, but yeah, definitely DJ Premier was like a, that was like a highlight of, of like my year, you know, still is. Like I just. Jeez, highlight of, of a lifetime, I think. Like, Listen, you know what I mean? But so, yeah. It, it, to be honest, it, it sounds like it really spawned a lot of, you know, new opportunities for you. And Elzai, you mentioned another fantastic lyricist. Like uh-huh. there are so many tracks of his that like, I just can't imagine how anyone had the idea to put it together. I think there's, Man. I think there's, like, I forget the names of the tracks, but he's got a song where it's like a game. Like it's literally a game. He spits a bar and you got to guess the last word. So he starts it and then you got to finish the word. And so like it, the whole track is just a game that you play along with him. He's got another one that's like um, a dream. The whole song is like, he's a dream. Like I'll have to send you this stuff because like it blew my mind when I first listened to them and they're not on Spotify. They're on YouTube, like as part of the yeah. mixtapes, but unbelievable. Like, yeah, so much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was um yeah, it was so dope. Like um just and, and this was even before the the premiere thing. He just like followed me on Instagram out of nowhere in like the summer of twenty twenty. And I looked at it, I was like, yo, that's fucking outside. Like, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and so like, you know, when I was when I started working on the album, I just hit him up and I was like, yo, you know, I'm working on an album. Can I send you a couple of tracks that you know, I think you sound good on? And he was like he was like, Yeah, man, he's like, Yo, you like a real lyricist. You know, it's like I, you know, I'd love to work with you. And um, so I sent him like a couple of tracks, and he sent one back. And um, yeah, I almost went back and rewrote my verse. But the producer was like, he's like, no, no, he's like, leave your verse. Like it's like <laughs> he's like, it's good. He's like, good. I promise you. It's good. <laughs> and uh, I was like, all right, all right, cool, cool. Uh, but yeah, so I can't, I can't wait to um, put out an album so y'all can hear that track. Um, but yeah, it's just been crazy, man. Like. And I just think that, um, you know, like you said, you know, if nothing else, I think the DJ Premier situation kind of um, put a new set of eyes and ears, you know, my way. Um, I mean, it didn't, like, make me famous or anything, but, you know, people that, you know, he respects and people that respect it within his circle, um, you know, definitely showed some love, whether it was, just a like or a comment or something or, you know, sharing it or just hitting me up in the DMs, you know, to let me know that, they, you know, like what I'm doing um, was pretty dope. So, yeah, it just kind of like just encouraged me to keep going hard, you know, and um, it just makes the dream feel a little bit more real, you know, like it, it feels so much realer, you know, having met DJ, like he's like the, first hip-hop um person that i've met in person like the first like person i look up to in 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 hip-hop that i was able to to meet in real life so it was like that's like my first like 
encounter with like a, like a hip hop started pretty like, high. It's gonna be hard to yeah. beat. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be hard to beat that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, that's crazy. You know, but like I said, it just it just encouraged me to keep going. That's that's just what I'm gonna keep doing. You know, and like I said, it just it just made me feel like I'm just a step closer. Like now, it just feels like anything I do could be like what takes me to the next level. You know, so it's like I just feel like I'm so close. I'm so close. It's like I just gotta keep going. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like you don't want to give up. Now it's kind of like being on a treadmill, and it's like you know you're running, and it's like you don't want to look down at the time that you got left because it's like it's gonna feel like forever. So it's like you just gotta keep looking forward and just let it. You know, once once you're done, you're done. You know, once you're there, you're there. You know, As so they say like, you're always one hit away. Yeah, always one. You're only one hit away, so it's close. You just gotta close. gotta keep going. But you know, yeah. I've only got you know one more question for you, and it's going to be the hardest All question right. that I've asked. Uh, it's the hardest question for anyone. It's the only question that I actually plan for the podcast. Um, but okay. if you had to recommend one album that everybody should listen to at least once to get an appreciation of, doesn't have to be hip hop cannot be your own of course uh okay. but one album that everybody should listen to at least once to get an appreciation of what would it be one album that everybody should listen to at least once to get an appreciation of wow that is a hard question <laughs> see it's um, so weird because everyone talks about themselves and i ask personal questions like yeah, yeah. no one has a problem with it as soon as i ask this question everyone's like oh fuck i didn't <laughs> <laughs> it's too hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like this is like I'm really thinking like you know, one one album that everyone should listen to again appreciation of because because I guess what I'm what I'm trying to focus on is like the albums that people probably haven't heard you know like because like for example like my favorite artist of all time all genres is like Michael Jackson right but it's like who hasn't heard a Michael Jackson album um, I would say. One album. One see, album. this always happens. It's amazing. I, I've never <laughs> seen, I don't see anyone, no other question gets people. Literally none of them. They're all like, it's so hard. Straight up. You got to, because it's like, you got to, you got to think like, like, okay, it's like, what, what is it that I want them to appreciate about this album? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, what is it that I want them to appreciate about it? Honestly, if I, if I just had to, off the top of my head, if I just had to say one, Right now, I would probably say it would have to be a Wu Tang album. Which one? It would have to be a Wu Tang album. That's that, and see, that's the hard thing. It could be any of them. It could be any of them. But I will say, I will say, Wu Tang Forever. There you go. We got there. We got there in the end. The only person yeah. who was really quick was Kyle Lucas, and he came out with it like that. He just had it really? ready to go. He said, uh, "Outcast, Equemini." That was his album, and we oh, came back and we did. We we came back and we did a uh, a review of Equemini because I'd never like listened to it properly in full. I touched it when I was like sixteen, and then it went over my head. But then I caught on later. Yeah, no that that is that is an amazing album. That's that's wow, that's a good one actually. That is a great one. Yeah, if if nobody's heard that album before, anyone who hasn't heard that album has to listen to the album. I think like Bootang 
and Outcast are like the two perfect examples of like people just like stepping out, like groups being able to step outside of the box in hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Because like when you listen to Wu Tang, it's just like at first you listen to me, like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> like I remember, the, man, I remember the first time. I remember the first time I heard Wu Tang. I was probably like thirteen, and I heard um, what was the song? I heard uh, it was Protect Your Neck. I remember hearing that song, and freaking um, respect that that comes on a song like smoking all night, like smoking Joe Frazier, da, 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 da. and like just the the beat was so like dusty and like it's like I'm like yo, it's like nine motherfuckers on this song. Like I was like yo, this shit is crazy. Like and then I think I saw the video on YouTube <laughs> like. And it was just like, man, all these, I'm like, all these fucking kung fu sounds and the shit, like, either. And it's like, oh, I, I like attempted to like listen to 36 Chambers. And it was like, at the time, it was kind of a little too abstract for my mind to be able to grasp it. But like, that was like one of my favorite albums ever. Um, but I say Wu Tang Forever because one, it's a double disc. And two, I think it's, it's kind of like, it's one of those albums where when you sit through and just listen to it and you just kind of appreciate the the full scope of what Wu-Tang is, you know? Like, I feel like the 36 Chambers is like, it's like that introduction to Wu-Tang. Like, like you kind of get a good idea of who, who they are. It's a good feel, you know, what type of, what type of energy they're coming with. And um, in my opinion, it's like a flawless album. But then you have like Wu Tang Forever, which is like at this point in their career, they were like already like a global phenomenon, you know. And it's like you just kind of get to, you know, experience Wu Tang and like it's it's how grand it it really is. Like I I don't think people really realize, or you know, maybe it's just me, but like I don't think people really realize how. Wu Tang really like set themselves apart from everything else in that era. Like there was nothing that sounded like Wu Tang. There still is nothing that sounds like Wu Tang. You know, like what they did is like a business model. Yeah. Of like you know we come together and then we can separate and do our own projects, but we're always right. and even part yeah. of Wu Tang. And even that, and even the way they did that deal, um, being able to sign as a group, but everybody can still go sign. Like nobody, I don't think everybody had done that before and nobody's done it since you know like you know well, being able to sign a deal yeah yeah with a you know the the label doesn't have exclusive rights to the individual artists you know and, and i think that um and it's just like even just from watching like the documentaries i, I just think that the i think wu-tang could have been so much bigger you know like i think even like wu-tang could have lasted for you know not to say that they haven't lasted but i, I feel like wu-tang could could be like they, you know, because um, from the documentary I was watching, it seemed like, um, you know, they had a little thing with Hot 97 that kind of messed up their career, you know, because Ghostface got on the stage with Summer Jam and said, fuck Hot 97, you know, all this and that. But um, but it's like, man, it's just like when, when I just kind of sit back and really think about it. And because um, RZA is also one of my favorite producers. Um, and just the, like I said, just, them have being able to pull off that that sound and you know because it's like at the end of the day when you look at it Wu-Tang is like a, they're like a bunch of nerds 
like they love like kung fu movies they're all extremely smart individuals you know what i'm saying like they just they're just like from the streets but it's like it's like just a like a bunch of nerds like you know and, and people kind of don't have that perspective of like hip-hop artists like it, you know so it's like the thug you gotta be tough and this and third but like a, a lot of times a lot of hip-hop artists are nerds at heart you know what i'm saying and it's like they they took that nerdyism and that passion that they had for kung fu kung fu movies and you know um those lessons and and you know being inspired by that a, a whole different culture and putting that in their music and creating something that was just so appealing to everybody but that was just so different you know and, and being able to do it on their own terms and you know being able to, to plan it out and make it happen it's just like man that's crazy and it's like i don't think i don't think we'll ever see another group that sounds like wu-tang or that operates like wu-tang just like i don't think we'll ever see another duo that sounds like outcast you know um like to me, those are like two groups that that are, that are really a represent, representation of the the extremes of which you could take hip hop. Like Wu Tang is like the purest extreme. Like this is like hip hop at its purest, stripped down, dusty beats. You know, fucking just dudes basically just doing a cipher on every song. You know, type of thing. And then you have Outkast that really just did something really like artistically different. You know, beats were funky. There was a lot of crazy sound instruments going on. You know, they just picked a lot of like, you know, crazy samples. And, and you know, sometimes you didn't know Andre was singing or he was rapping, but it just sounded really good. And he was just like, at the same time, a really masterful lyricist. And then, you know, just visuals and everything, just everything that both of these groups did, um, I think is something that, like, is, is really a representation of, like, what, what you can do with hip-hop, you know, like, how hip-hop can, can really be, like, an art in its purest form, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that Equimini is a good choice um, as far as that. And, um, yeah, for me, that had to be, like, Wu-Tang Forever. Like, I just think that people who don't, appreciate hip-hop i think could sit down with those two albums and and there's no way you could walk away and say uh, i don't know like <laughs> <laughs> like you know just just triumph alone and, and equimini the song alone is like yeah, come on man like you know like who for does, me who if i'm getting people like go listen to rosa parks because that shit is so catchy yeah it's impossible not to sing it for the it's rest impossible. of the day it's impossible. It's, it's amazing. It is like yeah, that, that's a good pick for album too. Like, cause I and and it's like it's hard. It's hard to kind of because when I when I started to think outside of hip hop, I'm like, I don't know. Like a lot of the albums that I would say, a lot of people have heard already. Like Marvin Gaye, what's going on? Like that's like a that's like a classic. I think that's like Rolling Stones' like best album of all time. I want to say they they said it was. Um, so yeah. It just shows. There's so much good music out there. There's just so much. It is. And like, you know, from my perspective, I look forward to seeing your drop, obviously. 
Um, I look forward to to seeing what what you come through, and I look forward to you going full time as well. Hopefully, you and I can both go full time pretty soon yeah. on on the creative pathway. But man, I really appreciate you coming through, giving me a time, and uh, it was a pleasure speaking to you about you know hip hop and just you know talking shit the the whole time. But uh, for <laughs> yeah. anyone that hasn't checked out hype, check him out on IG. Uh, it's the insane hype uh, on IG. Um, you can also check him out on uh, Spotify and all the music platforms as well. Check out the new track with Shane Noir, New School. Uh, it gives you a sample of just absolute bars, uh, boom, bat beep, uh, boom, bat beat, and uh, yeah, stay tuned for the album coming soon. But is there anything you wanted to plug, anything you wanted to shout out before we finish um, up? Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, um, and also, you know, my, I'm still uh, selling the vinyls of my last project, man. They're really dope. As a matter of fact, I just got my copy in of the vinyl. So the vinyl is selling, man. It's really dope, really dope artwork. I mean, it looks, and, looks um, awesome. Yeah, and the actual vinyl itself is crazy. Um, pull this out real quick. This is what the actual vinyl looks like. So, so for people listening to the audio version of this, it is like orange with like red all through it. It it's looks awesome. Yeah. So if you ever yeah. make sure you buy the the vinyl, it looks amazing. If you ever take it out for for anyone and show anyone, they will go, "What the hell is that? That looks awesome." So man, definitely make crazy, sure man. you get get the vinyl. Um, yeah, I think big things are going to yeah. happen, man. And like we said, it's all about you know consistent effort. You know, continuing to improve, and you've shown already anything's possible. Man, thank you, man. I, and I appreciate the interview. Um, you know, it was great just being able to chop it up and talk about different things. So, yeah, can't can't wait for for bigger and better things to come. You know, both of us. My pleasure, man. And we'll have to do it again sometime. And you know, oh, yeah. considering we're both young, you know, I'm only 27. You're in your early 20s as well. So, I mean, I, I would find time, it hard man. to believe if if we never cross <laughs> paths again. So, uh, yeah, I think we will. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully you can do a tour down in Australia as well and we can do this in person as opposed to via Zoom. Oh, yeah, 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 man. I've, I've had a few people ask that already. So, you know, once once the opportunity presents itself, man, I'll be there. Awesome, man. Can't wait. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under Hip Hop Hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.